Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight we're continuing with our letters from prison. Specifically, we're in the book of Philippians. In part two, we're going to be talking a little bit about the mind of Christ tonight. In Philippians, the second chapter, there's so much in the second chapter, I'm going to have to leave it with you to read that whole chapter. It's not that, that long. Uh, and in fact, I've read it several times this week. Uh, but, uh, but the second chapter has absolutely so much in it. There's no way that we could take one evening and, and, and highlight all of the important doctrines and all the important words. Words, uh, often personal words that God has given uh, to you or, 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 or to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, one of your family members comes right out of uh, Philippians 2. And that's because the Apostle Paul was set to encourage the Philippian church. You know, last week we talked about part one. And, and what we learned in our conclusion from last week in, in chapter one was that life is a long game. Do you all remember we talked about that? Life is a long game. You can't play it with short game strategy. We have to get the long game under our belt. Okay, Looking down the road, as Proverbs says, foreseeing the things that are potentially evil and some way avoiding those things on purpose. Life is a long game and life is uh, always filled with future. So God is more interested in our future than he is in our past. Uh, he's thankful for the things we've done for him and uh, he is forgiving of the things that we did not do or we should not have done. But he is always hopeful and life is all about the future. It's always filled with future. And uh, the, the second thing that we learned was that God will work with anything we give him. No matter what the situation is right now in your world, if you will give something to God, we learned last week that he will work with it. He will work with it. He works all things together for good. You know, whether a problem came to you or you were the problem, without, uh, without question, if you give it to God, he will work with you. There's always something you can do to please God. And then the third thing that we talked about last week in Philippians 1.21 was to live as Christ but to die as gain. Uh, you know, uh, this, this life, as good as it is, pales in comparison to what God has planned for us. However, we also understood what the Apostle Paul said in the first chapter, that it is necessary, nonetheless, that I remain here. Because if I remain here, I can do some good for you. You know, for me, if it was all about me, if it was all and only about me, okay, or if I were completely 100% selfish, you know, uh, I, I could check out of here, you know, and, and, and it would be better for me. But the Apostle Paul says it wouldn't be better for you. Because as long as I am here, I can continue to invest in other people's lives. And other people need you. Other people uh, need Christ in you. So that's what we learned from last week, that the next crowd is just waiting to hear about your faith from Jesus, in, in, in Jesus. Everywhere the Apostle Paul went, he got to another crowd. You know, uh, uh, the, the crowd he got to in Acts, uh, the 16th chapter, happened to be a crowd in prison. You know, But it was a prison crowd. They were a captive audience. Uh, wherever you may be, you're in a palace, you're in a prison, wherever you may be, you know, uh, that crowd is just waiting to hear 
your faith in Christ. So wherever you are, like Joseph, blossom where you're planted. Wherever you find yourself, at work or at home or in any other environment, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, uh, don't make it in one job or endeavor and you go to another, then that next crowd is just waiting on you. They're waiting on you to share your faith in Christ. You can make a difference in someone's life. And let God determine your next crowd, and, uh, but, but you determine that you're going to serve him whatever situation, wherever you find yourself. And that's our goal. This week, we're going to continue reviewing the Holy Spirit-led admonitions of the Apostle Paul, uh, these things that he wrote to the believers in the church in Philippi. You may remember last week we talked about the Apostle Paul. At this point that he is writing the book of Philippians, he's uh, about 58 years old. He's well-seasoned. He's not just a young whippersnapper that's running around talking about things that, that he is not yet polished up and qualified. And He's, he's now this 58-year-old apostle that for the last 28 years he's been serving the Lord in every situation of life. And, and uh, at, at, at this point, uh, he had suffered so many things, mainly from religious people uh, who opposed his preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to the Jews and also to the Gentiles. And it had been 10 years by this time, when Paul is 58, it had been 10 years since he had first visited Philippi. And now he's writing a letter back to them. And uh, he walked into Philippi 10 years earlier with Silas and with a missionary team. And, you know, they ministered and they were, you know, preaching the gospel and people were being saved and they were witnessing. And one day, because of something that Paul did for a young uh, a slave girl who was uh, uh, enslaved to tell fortunes and was also possessed of a spirit of divination, he cast the devil out of her and it ended up that, that you know, her owners got so upset because they weren't going to get any more money uh, from her fortune telling that they drug Paul and Silas into the city marketplace. Those of you that go with me to Philippi here in just a few months, I'll show you that very marketplace. It's the Agora. It's been excavated, and it would have been the city center, the place where, where uh, Paul was, uh, and Silas were dragged. They were stripped naked because of their accusers. They were falsely accused of saying things against the government. Isn't that interesting? You know, uh, our, our, our Russian brothers and sisters right now, just of late, just in the last two, three weeks, now are facing a 15-year jail sentence if they say anything against the government. New law. New in action. Isn't that interesting? Boy, wouldn't it be terrible in our world if, 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 if freedom of speech was taken away from us? Sure it would be. They could not only decide that, but they could decide what I could preach or what, you know, what, what could be said. But in that day, they were accused of saying things against the government, which they weren't. But because of their accusers, their accusers, uh, always accusers, if, if they can, they find a bully pulpit. They find a loudspeaker somewhere. They find a place where they can complain to people just that are passing by. Just like what happened to Paul uh, whenever he was in, in, in Acts the 19th chapter, when he was in Ephesus. The, the Bible says that the theater filled up with people who were angry. And, and, and the Bible also says that most of the people did not even know why they were there. 
Most of the people in the streets riding in this day did not even know why they were there. But they were hearing these accusations that these are bad men. These are men that are tearing up our, 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 our nation, tearing up the Roman Empire. They're trying to teach us to go against the laws of the Roman Empire. And they're destroying, they're wreaking havoc. They're causing trouble in our cities. And the mob got so angry that the magistrates of Philippi said, we've got to do something here to please this angry crowd. And so the magistrates had Paul and Silas stripped naked in public, beaten with rods, and then drug to the dungeon, the lowest part of the prisons. And they were chained up and their feet were put in stocks and the doors were locked. Wow. Well, Paul and Silas, of course, in their midnight hour, did not take that as the final word. What did they do? They began to pray and sing praises. <laughs> they began. And the Bible says the prisoners were listening. And no doubt that praise and that worship began to plow up that fallow ground in the hearts of those prisoners. Because later on we find them all, you know, uh, you know, just sitting there listening to the word of God and happy. And, you know, the jailer and his whole household were born again and water baptized. And, 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 and the church was birthed in Philippi. Now, the apostle Paul was not there, but, but conceivably just, just a few days, a few relatively short days in that city. And a church was birthed from all those that he led to the Lord. From, from, a, from a very wealthy foreign business lady all the way to the jailbirds. Now, Paul left the city. And now it's 10 years later. It is A.D. 62, as best as I can figure. And he's in prison again. And he's in Rome. He's already written three of these four prison epistles that he's going to write during this incarceration period, as I best understand. And so now he sits down to write a letter to the church in Philippi, primarily to thank them for having sent a man from their church, a man named Epaphroditus. He was sent by the Philippian church to go and, uh, you know, all through Greece and, you know, and over to Rome and to find Paul in prison because Paul could have visitors visit him in prison. And Epaphroditus brought an offering, a financial offering from the church in Philippi to Paul to help Paul supply his needs and pay for his needs and the needs of the ministry while he was in prison. You know, in America, if you're sent to jail, you get, you know, meals and, 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 and cover, you know, and something to, you know, drink and warm yourself. Well, it's not so in many countries today, and in that day, it wasn't so. In many countries today, if you go to jail and your family or friends or someone else, the company you work for, does not go and take care of you every day and give you money and, and food every day, you get nothing. You have to make it on your own. Well, the Apostle Paul was very grateful that the Philippian church had not forgotten him, that they had sent help to him and support to him.
And so he sits down to write this letter. He's also heard from, from this man, Epaphroditus, all the things that were going on in the church and all the things that were going on in the families and the individuals in the church. And so he's sitting down to thank them for everything they're doing. He, 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 he praises them. He encourages them. He tells them, man, I'm, 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 I'm just so happy to hear of all the things you're doing. You know. And there's only one or two little things he says to them that, that tells them, stop this. He, he, he talks about two women in the church that are having squabbling. They're squabbling over things. He says, y'all stop that. Okay? And the rest of you guys help them quit that. Okay? And, uh, but, but he's really in, and thankful and encouraging them. And so here we get to, to Philippians, the second chapter. And um, he's, 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 he's making his, his appeal to them. He says this in verse 1. Reading from the New King James Version. Now, he's this well-seasoned, settled, older man of God writing from prison. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation, any encouragement. This word uh, is translated in many uh, other versions, encouragement. You know, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Now, here the Apostle Paul is, is appealing to them. Um, I, I, I don't want to necessarily relegate this to just rhetorical questioning, but basically he knows that there is benefit to serving Christ. But if, if, you, have, if, if you are encouraged by serving Christ, if, if there's any consolation, if there's any benefit to you serving Christ, if there's any benefit to anybody serving Jesus, okay? If, if, if there is any comfort of love, if love gives you any comfort, if you have been comforted by the love of God, if you have been comforted by my love, by my care, if, if you have found that there's any benefit to serving Christ, if there is any benefit to being a born-again believer, if you have found that it's better to be uh, you know, saved, and, and if there is any, any comfort that you get in being loved by God and loved by Jesus, and if any fellowship, if, if you have found greater relationships, greater partnership, greater inclusion, if there's any fellowship in the Spirit, if you have found that, that, that being with other Christians provides some benefit, some, some, some relationship. Being in Christ has made better relationships in your life. If you, if you, if you have found, if, if there is any affection, any compassion, any, any mercy, if, if any of these things exist, if you have found that it is beneficial to serve Christ, then verse 2, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now, here he is writing to the church uh, in Philippi and to these believers who come from so many walks of life, and they've been doing so well for a decade now. And he's writing back to them, and he tells them, listen now, uh, you know, he, he, he told them in the beginning, you know, uh, uh, what we looked at this past week. You know, that life is a long game. There are a lot of things going on in life, but, you know, we need to press through. We need to keep going. We need to keep our faith, you know. He's, he's, he, he's told them that it'd be better off to die, you know, but, 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 but it's not about us. It's about others and how we interact with others. That's the most important thing. And he says, and, and on top of that, if there is any, therefore, if there's any benefit, if you find any benefits to living the Christian lifestyle, 
then do this one thing for me. Fulfill my joy. Make me happy. Make, you know, satisfy me as an old man that's invested a lot, that's, 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 that's given my life for a lot, as he talked about in, 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 in chapter 1. You know, uh, uh, be like-minded. Have the same love. Be of one accord. You know, the one accord uh, is, is, means this. Let me, let, me, let me paraphrase this. For your souls, each one of you, all together, for your souls to beat in harmony together and in tune with Christ. He's saying, come on, guys. Come on, let's, let's get our heartbeats going together. Let's, let's tune up with Jesus. If you'll be in tune with Jesus and I'll be in tune with Jesus, then our hearts will beat for what his heart beats for. Then we will want what he wants. And then we will want the same thing. And then we will love the same thing. We will love what he loves. We will, we, we will fall in love with what he is in love with. And we need to have the same loves. Why? Because if we don't have the same loves, then we will, you know, uh, what is the benefit of being a family when you're pulling things apart? What is the benefit of being on a team whenever you're just destroying the thing? What is the benefit of tearing your own house down? Jesus said a house divided cannot stand. What is the benefit, he said, of being a church don't you see the benefits of, 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 of the love of Christ and, and the fellowship that we have been offered with one another? We have been offered an opportunity. We, you and I, those of us who are born again, those who have received Christ, we have been given a marvelous opportunity to walk together with one mind, loving the same thing, you know, minding the same thing. We have an opportunity that the world does not have. People who are not born again, they, they don't have the mind of Christ. They don't understand. We have been given a rare opportunity as children of Almighty God to walk together in unity, minding the same thing, loving the same thing, being of one accord, our souls beat together, being of one mind. You know, uh, this is the one thing lacking, I must say, which... If believers in Jesus could ever get this one thing done, let, let me tell you what he's pointing at. Let me tell you the imagination that God has. Let, let me uh, share with you the truth. If the body of Christ, and I am talking about Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Assembly of God, Non-denominational, interdenominational, Catholics, Presbyterians. I'm talking about Lutherans. I'm talking about every person who is born again, who names the name of Jesus. If every church who claims salvation in Christ through the blood of his sacrifice, if we in America, in, on the African continent, on the Asian continent, in Europe... In Australia, you know, if we, the born-again believers, could get into unity in one accord, this world would not have a chance of staying lost. But do you know we can't even decide on what political candidate we want to vote for? 
we're canceling out one another's, you know, uh, votes. We're, we're not, you know, and pastor, are you saying we should vote as a block? Yes, that's what God would have. I mean, there is a will of God. What is that will? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. God's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not an independent. He's God. We would be able to stop laws from being passed, to stop wars from being uh, you know, uh, 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 processed, prosecuted. We could. We could. There, there's more that be with us than be with him. But this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about, this one element that is lacking. Not only can we not achieve that, not only have we not achieved it, uh, internationally, we have not achieved it across denominational lines, and many local churches cannot even achieve it within their own local congregation. That some are pro life and some are pro choice, even in one local congregation. Ooh, I done gone to meddling now, hadn't I? This is what he's talking about. If there is any benefit at all to being born again, think about it. It's a benefit of the potential of being of one mind, of one accord, of the you know, love, same love, and minding the same things. The Apostle Paul would write to the church in Corinth about them being carnal and fleshly, carnal Christians, because they were pulled apart by two opinions. They had different opinions about things. And he said, are you not carnal? Whereas there is even strife among you, opinionated quarrels over things that should not be quarrelsome. He's appealing to the church. He's appealing. Down in verse 5, I mean, you, you, please read the whole thing. Uh, because, you know, he's appealing to the church. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. You see, he's saying that Jesus was indisputably equal to God. The Son of God. Now we find ourselves in a sim similar situation. We too are children of God, sons and daughters of God. But he is talking about how Jesus, in verse 7, made himself of no reputation. But he took the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and, and you can read the rest, he, he humbled himself and he became obedient to God, even though it cost him his life. It cost Jesus what he preferred to do. Lord, if there's any way, take this cup from me. I don't prefer to go through this. But even though I am indisputably equal with you, I submit myself to you. Or he could have said, my opinion is good as your opinion. I'm as smart as you are. 
But he didn't. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Woo, if we could just get that one thing down, that'd be a pretty good deal, wouldn't it? Come on, church. The Apostle Paul here is encouraging people just simply, you know, look at Jesus and try to be more like him and humble yourself and don't be, don't be such a know-it-all. Don't, you know, don't just champion your own desires and designs when you have a chance to be like-minded and change the world. You have a chance to save the world. Verse 14, he encouraged them. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Complaining is something we do, you know, about how we feel, you know, in ourselves, what happened to us. Disputing is what we do to others and with others, arguing with others. Come on, come on, church. He's saying church. He's saying born-again Christian. He's saying body of Christ. He's saying you've got one mind, one spirit, one faith, one baptism. Come on now. Don't be so divided in opinion here. Come on, get, get everything, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, let this mind be in you that was in Christ and humble yourself a little bit and just seek the will of God and not your own will and then do everything without making complaints and without arguing all the time about everything else with one another you have a chance of a lifetime you have been born by the spirit of God you really have a chance and if you have a chance in the church think how much more you have a chance in your family to be one and of the same mind and love the same things and you know and 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 you know to 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 literally you know uh, carry that spirit of unity in your life that you have been filled with the Spirit of God. The Apostle John would talk about this in 1 John, the first chapter, about how we can walk in true fellowship with one another. If there's any fellowship in the Spirit, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, the Apostle Paul said. Well, you know, murmuring and complaining and disputing doesn't just affect you, it affects others. The Bible says in 2 Peter, the second chapter, verse 7, I'm not going to put it up here, but this is what it says. It's talking about Lot. Peter is talking about Lot. That Lot, though he was a righteous man, living in the midst of all of the unrighteous conversation, the Bible says it vexed his soul. It confused him. Unrighteous conversation confuses people that hear it. Lot was so confused. He was a righteous man, the Bible says, but he was so confused, he asked those, those uh, people knocking on his door if they would just mind taking his virgin daughters out and, 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 and doing what they wanted to do with them. There's a little confusion going on right there, let me tell you. Right? Because that happened over my dead body. It actually happened over their dead bodies. It also wouldn't happen because they'd be dead. <laughs> wow. That boy was confused. He was righteous, but he was confused. Why? Because every day, the Bible says, in, in, in verse 8, every day he listened to the conversation that was going on in, that, in, in the world around him, and the worldly conversations ended up confusing and vexing his soul. Be watchful about the worldly conversations going on all around you so you don't get confused. 
And please don't promote all the worldly conversations because you're apt to confuse somebody else. Don't be vexing other people with all of your, you know, unfitly conversation. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, Don't be confused, don't be deceived. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Um, uh, evil communications, bad company, it says in, in another translation, corrupts good manners, corrupts good morals. You know, uh, just don't be confused. But rather be blameless and harmless, the Bible says. And, you know, uh, at any rate. Uh, what have we learned tonight? Let me cut to the chase. Okay. The first thing that I'll offer you in conclusion tonight is that there is power in unity. And if the devil can destroy unity, then he can, he can pretty much get away with, with, with a lot of things. But the devil cannot separate you from someone else. The devil cannot separate you, uh, uh, cannot divide you, your family, your office, your church, your business, your community, your nation, the world. The devil cannot divide you and your family unless he can find one person to work with him. Don't be that person. Okay. Uh, the second thing is what you say and what you hear makes a difference. There is such power in unity. Uh, but perhaps there is no greater power in the world than your words. No greater power because you're going to end up believing what you keep on saying. Why not change what you're saying? Because other people are apt also to start believing what you're saying. That's why the news organization can take one little, you know, 30-second snippet and play it 64 times a day for 64 days, and everybody repeats it, and everybody believes it happened when it didn't. Later on, we find out, and they print a little retraction, but it's not, it's just, but that doesn't, that doesn't overwhelm the volume of the words that are spoken. Words are powerful. Be watchful of your words. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. I'm telling you that that makes words pretty powerful. Okay. Proverbs 6, 2 says, you are snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken with the words of your ear. Psalms 141, 3 says, set a watchman upon my lips, O Lord, and keep the door of my mouth. Let nothing perverse, let nothing uh, uh, contrary to your will come out of my mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs tells us. Those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. A man's lips shall be satisfied with the, uh, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his lips, and with the increase of his mouth shall he be filled. And we could go on and on and on about the words. So uh, speak that which is good to the use of edifying, the word says. And then uh, the last thing I'll leave you with is, is take on the mind of Christ. Practice humility. That was the mind of Christ. You know, just don't be a know-it-all. And don't always have to have your way. Practice a little humility, you know, like Jesus did. Practice being a servant to others. Practice sacrifice. And let God take care of your reputation. That's what Paul did. He let God take care of Jesus let God take care of his reputation. The world may not like you, and it may talk bad about you, and it may even throw you in jail. But if it does, let it be for something you didn't do. Or for something you did and you're happy with. Hey, why not? Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. 
as well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.